Shapers on Jazz FM. Listen in color. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. That was Boom Boom from John Lee Hooker here on Jazz Shapers with me, Elliot Moss, on Jazz FM. Thank you very much for joining me. Another edition of Jazz Shapers awaits you. It is, of course, the place where you can hear the very best of the people shaping the world of jazz, soul and blues, alongside their equivalents in the world of business. I have a business giant today, Lord Karen Billamoria, the founder of Cobra Beer, amongst many other things, is my very, very good guest today, and he will be talking to me very shortly. In addition to hearing words from Karen, you will also be hearing from our programme partners, and Mishkondorea, some words of advice for your business. And on top of all that, of course, I promise you some brilliant music from the shapers of jazz, soul and blues, including John Coltrane, Nina Simone, Marvin Gaye and this from Robert Glasper, It's Stand Alone. was the Robert Glasper experiment with Stand Alone. This is Jazz Shapers, and as I promised, my business shaper today is Lord Karen Billamoria. He is the founder of Cobra Beer, the chairman of the Cobra Beer Partnership Limited and of Molson Cause Cobra Beer, Cobra India, excuse me, and many, many other things which we'll come on to talk about, some of which include his senior non-executive director position on the Booker Group PLC, the founding member of the Prime Minister's India's Global Advisory Council. I could go on and I will go on in a little bit. Thank you very much, firstly, for joining me, Karen. You were educated in India. Are there benefits to starting life not in the country that you end up living in, do you think, from a broad perspective, both personally and professionally? I went to seven schools because my father was in the army and we were posted around a lot. And uh, I ended up at boarding school in South India in the Nilgiri Hills, 8,000 feet high. I also attended the Hyderabad Public School, which is now very much in the news because the new Chief Executive of Microsoft, Satya Nadella, went to the Hyderabad Public School as well. And I think it's great to have um, had that schooling in India. I also did my first degree in India when I was only 16. I graduated when I was 19 and then came here to the UK for my higher education like my family had before me. My, my, both my grandparents, my grandfathers were educated here, one at Sandhurst, another at Birmingham University. My mother was at university here. So it was only a, um, a matter of course that I would come here to study, which is what I did. And when you arrived, um, obviously with the family having that background and having had trod a similar path, as it were, I imagine on the one hand there's comfort in the fact that that's what the family had done. And on the other hand, a young man arrives in this great country of ours. And was it a sense of opportunity? Was it a sense of focus? What were you, if you can recall those early days when you first um, uh, first came here, what what were you feeling apart from having to know you had to study very hard? When I came here at the age of 19, it was very exciting. I actually stayed around the corner from the Jazz FM studios at the Indian YMCA in Fitzroy Square for my first year. And then at the International Students' House in Regent's Park. And then, of course, I was at Cambridge. 
and I loved it. I really, really enjoyed it. And uh, what I loved about London was that so many of my my fellow students from all all around the world, and and also it was great to be in London and in Britain and to drink British beer <laughs> and to get a liking for real ale. Uh, all those, um, it, it was great. It was great fun. And in those early days, did you think I'm going to be a man of business? Was that something that occurred to you, or did you think actually I want to be a lawyer? Because you studied law at Cambridge, if that's yes, yes, not I mistaken. Yes. Was it clear that you weren't going to pursue that? I mean, I know you became a qualified accountant. Yes. Um, but at what point did you say, you know what, I'm going to spread my wings a little bit? When I decided, uh, really at the age of 16, I, there was a fork in my sort of to take. Would I go into the armed forces, like like my, my father, my grandfather, or would I go into the world of business, which was my mother's family background? And I decided to go for the world of business. And then I knew at that stage, really at the age of 16, that I would go into business, but one day I would start my own business. But I would have to get some experience, get some training, and uh, qualifying with what is today Ernst & Young in the city here in London was great exposure because you're out there auditing firms within firms, and I learned a lot about business. But I knew I didn't want to be uh, an accountant as a profession for the rest of my life. And similarly with law, which was my favorite subject in my accounting studies as well. I loved the law. I enjoyed studying it, but I decided I didn't really want to be a barrister, which is what I would have done. Um, but it was very, very useful to have learned. And I still value um, the whole approach to learning law and, and uh, applying the way you, you learn law. It's been very useful. Much more coming up from my business shaper, Karen Binamoria, the founder of the rather delicious and tasty and light Cobra beer. Time for some music. This is from Marvin Gaye. It's a classic, and I heard it through the grapevine. That was Marvin Gaye, and I heard it through the grapevine. Lord Karen Billamoria is my business shaper today. He's the founder of Cobra Beer. We were just talking about the fact that you knew you would always work for yourself, despite loving, uh, you, you'd have to get experience from other industries, and you love the audit side of accountancy, you enjoyed the law, and so on. You say you knew that you had to work for yourself. How did you know? When did you know that you were going to need to be your own boss? It really helped that while I was a student, I came up with the idea for Cobra Beer. So I had a big idea. And the idea was very simple because it came from a, a love of beer, uh, but a, a complete dislike for fizzy, gassy, harsh, bland, bloating lagers, which I really couldn't stand. But I loved uh, real ale. I found real ale very smooth and delicious in a pub, but I found it very difficult to drink with food. So I came up with this idea, why don't I produce a beer which I'll make in India and, and a beer that has the, the refreshment of a lager and the smoothness of an ale combined that would be a really balanced, rounded beer with a globally appealing taste, would appeal to men and women alike and would go well with all food and in particular with curry and Indian food. That was my idea for Cobra Beer. And then I wanted to put it into practice. And then I finished my studies and started in business with a business partner who was a childhood friend of mine from Hyderabad in India who was also here in the UK. And we set up, I started working in a friend's house in Fulham on the kitchen table, literally, um, no exaggeration. This is late 80s, isn't it? This is, well, we actually started in, yes, 89. Mm. And then it took a year to build up experience importing products from India. 
Then we started working on the Bayer project, and it was the summer of 1990 that we actually first brought in the first container of Cobra Beer brewed in Bangalore, shipped across here to the UK. I mean, all those things you just described, from the idea itself to the actual creation of a product in another country, obviously your, your, your country you know well, um, these things are not straightforward. Um, at that point, what enabled you to be able to navigate through what is often tricky, which are the startup moments? I mean, obviously you had to get some money together, and I believe you borrowed from here, there and everywhere to, to make that happen. You probably had debt at the time as a student as well. What were the things that, that marked you out as the, as the person that would become the person you've become today, even in those early days, do you think? The first thing is to actually make the decision to start in business and take that leap. With a, with a being a qualified chartered accountant with a law degree, I should have really gone into investment banking or something like that. A proper job. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, nobody encourages you to start your business. Your own family. I mean, my father, and I knew as an army officer he couldn't afford to finance me. But I thought at least it encouraged me. And, Dad, I'm starting my own business, Cobra Beer. What do you think? What are you doing? <laughs> All this education, you're becoming an import-export while I get a proper job. <laughs> <laughs> what have so, you done to me? <laughs> so, you know, nobody, because everyone is trying to protect you. Yeah. And, of course, a lot of businesses sadly don't succeed and do fail. Uh, but I was determined. I had this idea. And, and you have to cross what I call the credibility gap, which is nobody knows you. Nobody knows your brand. You have zero credibility. I used to crave gray hairs to, for people to take me seriously. Now, and, do, you, do you crave them now or have you stopped craving no. them? Now you want to go the other way. By the way, there are no gray hairs. I can, I can quickly so, add no. so, you know, the, that crossing that credibility gap, why do people finance you, supply you and buy from you when you're in that position of zero credibility? And I they do that if you have faith, passion, confidence, and belief in yourself and in your idea and in your product and your brand, which gives them the faith and confidence to give you a chance. And that's what really gets you off the ground and gets you to the first stage and get that first order and then the repeat order, the reorder, and then you're on the way. Fantastic advice about the credibility gap. Absolutely true. Much more coming up from Karen. But first, ladies, travel in a couple of minutes. And before that, some words of wisdom for your business from our program partners at Mishkondorea. Hi, I'm Kevin McCarthy. I'm a corporate lawyer with Mishkondorea. One important piece of advice I often give my clients is not to get too disheartened if a deal that they want doesn't happen the first time round. Very often, really successful transactions require a bit of time and they take place on the second or the third or some later iteration. But you know, if the deal doesn't happen the first time you try it, don't be put off, come back. Circumstances change, personnel change. If a deal makes commercial sense, it will still make commercial sense in a year. So don't get disheartened if success doesn't come immediately. I think that's a really important message to remember. And the converse is also true. Don't assume a deal is done until it's actually in the bag. When I first qualified in Scotland, I became a notary at the same time, and every notary in Scotland has a Latin maxim and a stamp which they get at that time. So I carry with me this kind of metal stamp which I put on documents from time to time if required. And my Latin maxim is obesa cantavit, which means the fat lady has sung. And so it's not until I've put that stamp on the papers that it's all done and dusted. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM in partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. 
You're listening to Jazz Shapers with me, Elliot Moss. Every Saturday morning, you can catch me with a brilliant business shaper um, who will be talking to me about what makes them them. And if you've missed any of the um, previous shows, just go into iTunes, as I often tell you. Put in the words Jazz and Shapers. You will find all of them there in perpetuity, and there are around 100 or so now, and all of them are equally impressive. If you'd like to tweet today, then just use the Twitter handle at JazzFM, and we will endeavour to get back to you. And if you're also looking to find us elsewhere, ft.com or cityam.com or even on a British Airways flight. Um, I promise you there'll be many more places you can find us as well in the near future. Karen Billamoria is my business shaper, and as you've heard earlier, he's the founder of Cobra Beer, amongst many other things which we will talk about shortly in terms of more public office-related things and, and, and academia as well. Karen, you were talking about the credibility gap and getting across the start line, as it were, those first important contracts that you, you, can, um, you, gra- you, you grab once that had kicked in and you could see that there was a business there and the taste was good and people liked the beer, and I believe you even delivered a lot of it yourself in the early days, that next stage of development, and I imagine you talk about this a lot, is probably almost more difficult in a funny way than the first thing. You've got it off the ground. The credibility has been, been crossed, that gap, as you said. What is important at that point? Because you go from a million or so turnover to suddenly, obviously now you're talking about almost a couple of hundred million pounds of, uh, of revenue across 50 countries and so on. But in those, that second stage of development, what is critical? Once you get the product right, and the product is absolutely crucial, the most important thing is people. And then it's a question of building the right team. And I was very fortunate. I, I, I managed to build a really, really good team. I have people with me who've been with me for 20 years. For example, Samson Sohail, who's the ethnic restaurant sales director who looks after all the Indian restaurants. Today we are available in 98.2% of all the Indian restaurants in the UK, the curry restaurants. And Samson is a legend in the industry. And with him by my side, I've been able to to build the brand and build the business to to cope with all the ups and downs. And uh, having a great team has made all the difference. You were also, if I recall, because I was in the, as they would, they would call it in my old industry, the target market. I was the man buying the beer back in the mid-90s in those lovely curry houses all around uh, London and elsewhere in the country. The advertising was really quirky. The advertising was really punchy. One doesn't associate, and having lived in India, I say this with a, a little authority, one doesn't associate an Indian product, an Indian company, with really quirky, unusual advertising. How did you get to that? People would have thought it would have been conservative, and it wasn't. Cobra's had this wonderful position as a brand where we it's a brand that's created by an Indian. Yes, we're a British company, first brewed in Bangalore and then now brewed in the UK and in Europe and also in India for the Indian market. So it's got this very strong Indian identity and it is a new beer brand. I often challenge people and say, name a household beer brand that is less than 50 years old. In fact, most household beer brands are more than 100 years old or centuries old. And and Cobra's only just over two decades old. And it has this amazing feeling of being contemporary and yet as if it's been around forever. Uh, and our communications have always been very, very individual, cutting edge, quirky, uh, and and yet we're very serious about the product itself. The product is something we're very proud about. We've won 73 gold medals in the Mon selection since we first entered in 2001. I'm sorry I'm boasting, but I'm proud no, about it. it's good. It's good. And, <laughs> and, and anyone who's tasted it will, 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 will confirm yes. that it's wonderful beer. So on the other hand, the communication, uh, we've always been, uh, in, including our latest advertising campaign, uh, there's always, uh, there always we try and be um, you know, witty, quirky, 
And, and in that sense, just to, to take that further, um, the witty and quirky, but wrapped up in a pretty substantive wrapper. I mean, you yourself are probably not dissimilar. I mean, do you think about the beer in the way that you think about yourself? In the sense that there's, you're obviously in our Lord in the House of Lords. You do serious things. You talk about serious issues. But there's uh, this this expression, this communications for the brand itself. Is there any kind of similarity between you and the beer itself, or not? Well, Co- Cobra's positioning is impossibly smooth Indian ingenuity. <laughs> I hope that applies only to the beer. <laughs> I'm not so sure. We might be able to stretch the analogy a little further. Lots more coming up from my business show, Karen Bidamoria. Time for some music in the meantime. This is John Coltrane and my shining hour. That was John Coltrane and my shining hour. Karen Billamore is my business shaper. We'll be talking about all sorts of things. What we haven't yet talked about is the tenacity with which you have run this business. This business has, you've grown it from nothing, you founded the thing. We've talked about second stage development of a business and you've articulated excellently exactly what it takes. Then you hit some bumps along the way. And often when I talk to my guests, they're small bumps. Your bumps were not small but you're still here and we're talking about it. Just tell me a little bit about how you've overcome some of those challenges that the business has had over the last, or the, since, it, since its inception, in fact. Building a business, any business, is not easy. It's, it's very tough, and uh, there's a lot of uh, perspiration involved and, and determination, and really, quite often, what sets entrepreneurs apart um, is that they're people who will never give up when others would give up and who keep going when the when the going's really really tough or when they when they're facing a, a downturn will pick themselves up and 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 carry on and i've nearly lost my business three times and and let alone the early days when you're constantly running out of money and trying raising finance is really difficult um let alone getting your idea off the ground so there are all the obstacles uh, the word you come across more than anything when you start a business is a very short word. It's no. Do you want my product? No. Will you finance me? No. And you've got to convince people to say yes. And so it's tough from the very beginning. But the worst is when you nearly lose your business. And that's happened to me on three occasions. And the last time was five years ago in 2009 um, after Lehman's went bust and uh, during the financial crisis and the Great Recession. And and we got through, and we were able, under the worst circumstances, to restructure our company and, and to uh, clutch victory from the jaws of defeat. And what got us through it, I think, every single time, more than anything else, was that one word, integrity, that we always believed that we would get through by doing it the right way and doing the right thing. And I'm talking about my whole team. Uh, and, and with that attitude and that behavior, even when everything is falling around you, you can survive and get through. And that integrity, which um, is is paramount, that's one part of it. But I imagine personally, if it's your business and you know people that, that work for companies feel pain and feel stress and they're worried about just basic stuff that goes on, it's your business, it's very, very personal. Where would you have gone in those dark days to have... Um, shared the pain as it were or are you kind of a a strong individual who doesn't need to talk to someone privately and i mean outside the business potentially you can't you can't do any of this alone Uh, you need 
tremendous support, particularly in the, in the difficult times. And the true test of leadership is not in the good times, it's in adversity. And you can only get through if you've got a fabulous team supporting you, people like Samson, who I mentioned earlier, who are there by your side, who will tell you exactly what you should hear, what you need to hear, and will support you through and help you through. And if you're fortunate enough to have a family, my wife was wonderful and stood by me through everything. Uh, so if you have a, a, a good, strong, supportive family, good, strong, supportive team, and if you have the constitution and the determination and the belief, and you do this all with integrity underlying everything, you can survive. A little bit more coming up from my business shaper, Karen Billamoria. It'll be our final chat with him, plus a track from the great Nina Simone. That's coming up after the latest traffic and travel here on Jazz FM. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM, in partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. me, leave me, let me be lonely. You won't believe me, but I love you only. I'd rather be lonely than happy with somebody else. You might find the night time the right time for kissing. Night time is my time for just reminiscing. Regretting instead of forgetting with somebody else. There'll be no one unless that someone that was Nina Simone and Love Me or Leave Me. I'm not quite letting Karen Billamoria leave me just for a few more minutes. He's going to stay and talk about a few important things beyond what he's already been talking about. You've obviously moved into the world of politics and you continue to have your business interests. Um, and it's a great honour, uh, obviously, to be asked to become a lord and all those other things. You've also used that, um, I'll call it power, but I don't mean it in a, in a negative way at all. You've used that opportunity to stand up for the things that matter. What are those things that matter to you and how do they relate to your business interests? I, I feel very privileged to have been given the opportunity to sit in the House of Lords now for just over seven years. And as an independent crossbench peer, which I think is wonderful because uh, you can deal with each issue uh, on its merits and say what you feel. So whether it's supporting the government or criticizing the government, um, my voting record, sometimes I'll vote with the government, sometimes it's against the government, depending on each issue. And I feel in a great position to be able to make a difference. And there are matters that are important to me, which I think the government have got wrong. For example, immigration, and particularly immigration when it relates to students. The fact that student numbers are still included within immigration figures. The fact that foreign student numbers have declined for the first time in history. And I think our universities are some of the best in the world alongside the United States. And we should be attracting foreign students who bring in well over 10 billion pounds uh, directly and indirectly to this economy. Uh, and are a great asset and the bridges that we build with the countries going forward. Uh, areas like the economy, um, for example, Syria. I spoke in the Syria debate and 71 out of 75 of us at that time in August when America was ready to intervene, when our Prime Minister wanted to intervene, we said, don't intervene now. And luckily, the government was defeated in the Commons and we didn't intervene. And luckily then that resulted in the Americans not intervening. If we'd intervened, it would have been an absolute disaster. And I felt... It was such a privilege in a small way to play a small part in preventing what would have been an absolute catastrophe. Um, similarly, earlier when Gordon Brown was Prime Minister, I remember uh, being able to initiate foreign students being able to work in Britain for two years after their studies. And again, to be able to do things like that, to play a part, 
uh, is is tremendous. Looking back at yourself when you were 19 or so and you, you came over from India and you, you know, became a student here and made this country your home and things, could you have envisaged that this would have been what would have happened, I mean, in your wildest dreams? Because people talk about vision and they talk about wanting to be good public servants and they talk about wanting to be successful in business and being people of integrity. Those things have happened for you. How does that, does it feel real? Every day that you're you're being, you know, the Lord Billamoria and being the the business, the famous business person, the person that people want to talk at, talk at conferences and so on. Well, every every time I'm in the House of Lords, I pinch myself and say, "This is so wonderful. This is such an amazing place. The people in there. It is the most eminent, learned, in terms of depth and breadth of expertise, chamber in the world. And it, I just learn every time I'm in there, whether I'm speaking or not." You're in the House of Lords, you learn from your fellow peers who are world experts in what, just about every field that you can imagine. And what I really feel about this country is that this country has given me the opportunity over the last three decades from coming here as a as a 19-year-old student. And at that time, Britain was a sick man of Europe. At that time, this country had a glass ceiling for somebody who was a foreigner where you wouldn't get to the top because you were a foreigner. At that time, entrepreneurship had images of Del Boy and second-hand car salesmen and was looked down upon. And how this country has now changed a country, I believe, with opportunity for all, regardless of race, religion, or background, I believe this is a country of aspiration. This is a country of opportunity for everybody. And this is a country now where entrepreneurship is celebrated. So, wow. <laughs> wow, indeed. Just before I let you go, what's your song choice and why have you chosen it? I, I've been brought up surrounded by, by jazz because my father, um, the late General Bellamoria, was a jazz fan um, and loved jazz. So there was always jazz being played in the house. And I love the way jazz just is improvisation and wonderful. And Louis Armstrong and What a Wonderful World is what I've chosen because my father loved Louis Armstrong. Thank you very much, Karen Bellamoria, for being my business shaper. This is Louis Armstrong and What a Wonderful World. I see trees of green, red roses too. I see them blue for me and you. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world from Louis Armstrong, the song choice of my business shaper today, Karen Billamoria, the founder of Cobra Beer. What an intelligent, measured and principled man he is. Do join me again, same time, same place, next week, Saturday morning, 9am, here on Jazz FM for another edition of Jazz Shapers. Do stay with us, though, because coming up next, it's Nigel Williams. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM, in partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal.